Welcome to a podcast brought to you by the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists. Our academy is a national organization committed to excellence in orthopedic manual physical therapy practice, education, and research. And we're here to explore a wide range of topics with you through interviews with content experts. Hello. My name is Stephen Schaefer, and I'm pleased to bring to you an interview with Kiran Satpute. Mr. Satpute is an associate professor in the Department of Musculoskeletal Physiotherapy at the Physiotherapy College located in Pune, India. He is involved in both undergraduate and postgraduate teaching, as well as clinical practice. Mr. Satpute is also a certified Mulligan Concept teacher and became a certified orthopedic manual therapist in Perth, Australia. We invited him to the podcast today because he was recently the primary author of a case report published in the Journal of Manual and Manipulative Therapy titled Headache Symptom Modification, the Relevance of Appropriate Manual Therapy Assessment and Management of a Patient with Features of Migraine and Cervicogenic Headache, a case report. Without any further delay, let's get to the interview. Kiran, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hi, Stephen. Good morning. I'm doing good. Very well, thank you for inviting me on this podcast. Well, we are excited to have you here today. And before diving in, what I'd like to do is point out that I think that your paper is both interesting and important. And I'd like to point out to the audience that this is our third interview in recent months about headaches. First, during episode 22 with Dr. Shannon Peterson, we discussed self-reported sinus headaches and their association with both neck pain and cervical spine musculoskeletal dysfunction. Then, during episode 40 with Drs. Philip Dale and Jacob Thomas, we discussed clinical reasoning and classification inconsistencies in headache disorders. I invite our audience to listen to these podcasts in succession to try and gain a better appreciation for some key factors that relate to the evaluation and management of patients with head and neck pain. Maybe um, I think before we start, I would like to thank Dr. Toby Hall and Dr. Nilima Bedeker, who were co-authors on this paper. Dr. Bedeker is a professor at Physiotherapy College in Pune, India, and she is my PhD guide also. And Dr. Hall is a professor at Curtin University, and he is also director of Manual Concepts in Australia. So I would like to thank both of those before we start with the topic. Well, they clearly did a good job because your case study demonstrates how an expert physiotherapist can approach a seemingly complicated headache situation from a clinical standpoint. And with that as our general introduction, your case study is one that I think is super important. In particular, I want to start by asking, why is it that you believe physiotherapists can and should examine patients with headache pain? Stephen, this is a really good question to begin with. Why we should evaluate headache patients? Really interesting. So what's the peculiarity about headache is headache is both symptom and a disease. When we look at some common types of headaches like migraine, tension type headache, they're very uh, affecting the, negatively affecting the quality of life of many people in society. As you know, many types of headache patients, they commonly present to us with a neck pain along with headache. If you look at uh, recent papers, say Bragato et al., recently he's reported that the presence of neck pain is associated with high severity of migraine symptoms. In fact, 
neck pain is reported as a most common trigger for migraine in a study by Paris 2016. This study looked at various trigger factors which are commonly seen in migraine patients. This indicates the potential for relationship between cervical spine and headache. But if neck pain is present in so many people with headache, then is this relationship important for us? I think it is because of the anatomy of trigeminocervical nucleus and that anatomy is quite complex. As explained by Bogdog, there is a convergence of afferents from trigeminal system and upper three cervical nerve roots into trigeminocervical nucleus and this is very well a known fact in the research. As we are aware that any prolonged nociceptive inputs from any musculoskeletal dysfunctions, for example shoulder or for knee or for back, it has a potential for development of peripheral sensitization as well as a central sensitization. And pertaining to the cervical spine, musculoskeletal dysfunction of cervical spine causes peripheral sensitization as well as a sensitization of trigeminocervical nucleus. And both, for us, it is important that it's both this peripheral and central sensitization mechanisms are involved in headache symptoms. And we look at some past research that is very well demonstrated in animal studies by Vernon, I think in 2009, and in human studies by Watson and Drummond in 2014, that in this musculoskeletal dysfunction really plays crucial role in symptoms of headache. As we are aware, a musculoskeletal dysfunction is more evident in cervicogenic headache than any other primary headache like for example migraine. This dysfunction could be either of motor system, it could be of articular system or it could be a combination of both. I think well-trained skillful therapists can evaluate this dysfunction and they are in a position to differentiate cervicogenic headache from other headache forms. And this is what I feel we as physiotherapists should examine patients with headache. Well, that was a spectacular answer. I in part feel like you just described my clinical practice plus what I teach when I'm in the classroom. So I'm totally on board with all of that. And let's take it a step further. You mentioned migraine headaches while you were talking about headaches in general. Why is it that you think physiotherapists in particular should examine patients with migraine headaches? Yeah, I think this is another very, very important question to begin with. Why migraine patients? If you look at the clinical practice, generally speaking, medical practitioners, they will put this question on us. Why physiotherapists should evaluate these migraine headaches? If you look at previous reports of research, various authors have reported that musculoskeletal dysfunction is present in migraine patient as well as in cervicogenic headache patient. If you look at some previous study by Ferrasini, I think that was done in 2017, they have reported weakness of deep neck flexor muscles along with reduced upper cervical range of motion, multiple trigger points in neck muscles and importantly headache reproduction or resolution after application of passive accessory intervertebral motion is importantly seen in these migraine patients. Some other researchers in 2019, for example, Bragato and Florencino have also reported poor strength and reduced endurance of neck flexor muscles 
as well as reduced range of upper cervical rotation is commonly seen in migraine patients. So we can see the musculoskeletal dysfunction, though it is commonly seen in cervicogenic patients, it is also seen in migraine patients. And we as a therapist should evaluate and dig into this topic. But though this cervical musculoskeletal dysfunction is evident in migraine patients, if we take a look at a recent systematic review and meta-analysis by Liang, this says this evidence is of low quality. Some other papers, like very good paper by Jule and Hall, that nicely debates around whether neck pain is a part of migraine symptomology or is it a possibility as a consequence of headache or is it secondary to the cervical musculoskeletal dysfunction. This ongoing debate is really important and provoking all the researchers worldwide. Let's take a look into the pathophysiology of migraine. The pathophysiology of migraine, though it is not very well understood, it involves abnormal thalamic and thalamocortical activity which plays a key role in aberrant sensory processing. And headache during migraine attack is mainly due to sensitization of trigeminocervical nucleus. For us, it is important to understand that convergence of cervical and trigeminal afferents into the trigeminal nucleus can be bidirectional. Barsh and colleagues in their various papers have explained that the sensitized trigeminal nucleus may be responsible for neck pain in migraine patients even in absence of musculoskeletal dysfunction of cervical spine. That is really important to know that they might get neck pain even in absence of cervical musculoskeletal dysfunction. Let's go a little further. There is also evidence of approximately 30% greater resting neck muscle activity is seen in migraine patients compared to the headache-free controls. So it was suggested that it could be due to the impaired brainstem control mechanisms on neck muscles through the trigeminal nucleus could be responsible for neck pain. Going a little further, we can take a help of some pharmacology study. A recent pharmacology study has explained the importance of neck evaluation in migraine patients. Lipton and colleagues, they have reported that approximately 50% of migraine patients are not taking their prescribed medications. For example, triptan. Now, this could be because of the various factors what they have quoted, but mainly could be due to the potential side effects of these medications or insufficient response or maybe that they are not experiencing migraine symptoms after the initial migraine treatment. So perhaps some of these patients' headache were not migraine. We need to confirm the diagnosis of migraine in such patients. They have also reported, now this is a little important and interesting, they have also reported that a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medication and opioid use was increased in this population. For me, this might suggest that the possibility of concurrent presence of cervical musculoskeletal dysfunction in migraine patient, which could have responded well to this non-steroidal anti-inflammatory medications. So I think it is quite crystal clear that we should examine migraine patients who also reports to us with a neck pain. And we should look for presence of musculoskeletal dysfunction indicating cervical spine involvement. This may serve as a basis for physiotherapy treatment and we can justify our physiotherapy treatment 
in this subgroup of patients. This all can help me to explain that we should evaluate even migraine patients and we should look for musculoskeletal dysfunction in them. That answer was spectacular, and I think it very nicely went through the relevant evidence. And before I ask the next question, I just want to point out that normally in the show notes, I will link to the articles that an author has referred to, but you are doing way more work than some guests. And I, I just, I don't think we can possibly link to all these studies. I essentially feel like I'm in class right now, Kiran, and I, I just must say, for the sake of the audience, that this is a very well put together argument. It's very evidence-based. I love it. And it very much highlights how I think that a clinician should be thinking when they're thinking about headaches. Yeah, Stephen, what is important, I think, in clinical practice, to back up your clinical practice along with your research, that's very important. I could not agree more. And for the next question, can you talk about the complicated process involved with delineating a migraine from a cervicogenic headache? It is really challenging to specify migraine from cervicogenic headache patients. We know that migraine and cervicogenic headache is classified by International Headache Society in International Classification of Headache Disorders, version 3. Although it is very well defined, Due to the overlap of symptoms between these two common types of headache, diagnosis is always difficult. One more study group, the Cervicogenic Headache International Study Group, is interested in classification of headache disorders. This group indicates that various symptoms, including posterior unilateral headache, posterior headache, neck pain, photophobia, phonophobia, nausea, these are common parts of migraine, but they are commonly seen in cervicogenic headache also. In both headache types, pain is exaggerated by physical activity, maybe staircase climbing or their routine physical activity or their recreational activities. Thus, it is important for us to know that when we are doing subjective examination, we should look for the clustering of symptoms in both headache forms. Going further to the objective examination, we should look for even clustering of symptoms. Objective examination should be for presence of musculoskeletal dysfunction, which often shows presence of myofascial trigger points in neck muscles in both headache forms. Watson and Drummond in 2014, they have demonstrated that reproduction and elimination of headache is common after palpation of upper cervical spine in migraine and cervicogenic headache. So even we can see some clustering of objective examination findings. But further in examination for upper cervical rotation range, pain on palpation of upper cervical spine, weakness of the neck flexor muscles as shown by cranio-cervical flexion test, this indicate dominance of cervicogenic headache. So we must look for a pattern, not just a single test or a single identification is important. We must look for the pattern. Jewel and colleagues from Australia, they have shown that collectively these parameters of say cervical range restriction, pain on palpation and weakness of these deep neck flexors have 100% sensitivity 
and 94% specificity to identify cervicogenic headache from migraine and other headache forms. And this study is really important for me to involve in diagnostic procedures. We should take further manual therapy examination to highlight cervical musculoskeletal dysfunction. And in this regard, we should evaluate physiological and combined movement assessment of upper cervical spine using manual therapy. And there is good evidence to support this. In the systematic review by Howard and colleagues, provide evidence for manual therapy examination of cervical spine to assist in diagnosis of cervicogenic headache. So, this is really challenging when we look at the patients of migraine or maybe a common features of migraine and cervicogenic headache. I really appreciate how you described the intertwined nature of these two terms. We think of them, of course, as very different words, migraine headache, cervicogenic headache. However, it's really almost impossible to separate them. But let's leave the background evidence behind us. And can you please introduce our audience to the patient that you wrote about? Who was she and what were her symptoms like? Let me explain about my patient. My patient was a 28-year-old female and she was working full-time as an academic and a clinical physiotherapist in a hospital setup. At work, she managed her intensive care unit, some inpatient, some outpatients, and she was involved in academic teaching as well. She was delivering around 6 to 8 lectures per week. She was aware that I have been conducting few studies on physiotherapy management of various types of headache. So she thought of considering a physiotherapy as the frequency of headache had increased since last few months and her headache was triggered more easily. So when we first started, I inquired or asked some history. Her headache began five years ago with no apparent cause as such and usually after an episode of vertigo. Initially, frequency was a little low. It was twice per week and her headache used to be around for 4 hours. That time she consulted many physicians and neurologists and obviously they managed her condition with medications. As she was not responding, they undertook investigations like brain CT scan and MRI which were reported as normal and initial diagnosis what they have made was a migraineous vertigo. Since last past 3 years, her episode of vertigo has reduced but increased in headache frequency. When she presented to me, she has a right dominant headache, which is of pulsatine quality. Then she also had a feeling of tight band across occipital area. And at that initial consultation, her headache intensity was um, 72 mm on 100 mm visual analog scale. When I inquired about frequency, it was on an average 16 attack per month and each attack was lasting approximately 6 hours. So we can figure out that around 60% of total headache attacks were associated with phonophobia and nausea. But she never reported any episode of photophobia or vomiting. When I asked her about her trigger factors for migraine, common triggers for headache were burst travel with sustained neck positions. And along with her headache, she also had some neck pain. 
she had a neck pain which was aggravated by neck movements of cervical spine and she reported to me that her neck pain intensity was more during her headache attacks i think in clinical practice it is important for a practitioner to dig in more detail and inquire about patient's symptoms in subjective examination and which will guide our further objective examination i could not agree more and that of course was a very thorough description of this patient's presentation and as you just alluded to can you tell us about the objective findings that you encountered after you finished that subjective examination yes after subjective examination generally we go undergo objective examination and we have a format and accordingly format generally we proceed i observed that she had a forward neck posture then i palpated for cervical spine and there was a tenderness on right trapezius muscle to firm pressure that tenderness was located centrally in the muscle belly then i moved my palpation to the spine palpation over left articular pillar of c2 and c3 was tender and that provoked her headache and local neck pain this was very important for me to note down to begin with then i performed passive accessory intervertebral mobility assessment and i have noted that c2 c3 level was hypomobile compared to contralateral side and adjacent segments below then i have gone to lower cervical spine and the central and unilateral palpation on right side over c7 and t1 produce local neck pain in further assessment i have assessed some physiological movements like protraction retraction protraction of head was painful and retraction was temporarily reducing her headache then next in assessment i have measured her upper cervical rotation range using flexion rotation test and c0 c2 axial rotation test her upper cervical rotation range was within normal limit and normal limit reported was 44 degrees with this flexion rotation test when we call this flexion rotation test positive the test is said to be positive if firm resistance is encountered or pain is provoked and range is limited before the expected normal range of this 44 degrees if we look at some research hall and colleagues have done extensive research on this flexion rotation test in 2010 they have reported that upper cervical rotation range is significantly different in migraine and cervicogenic headache population as measured with this flexion rotation test this is confirmed in the recent study showing that range of motion is more restricted in people suffering from cervicogenic headache than the people with migraine and i think it is important to pay attention to the range of motion in clinical practice we use iphone to measure this upper cervical rotation range compass application of iphone is very helpful it is lot more accurate than eyeballing range of motion next in assessment i have done some local assessment for total cervical spine range of motion and she had a neck pain with end range of left rotation and flexion left upper trapezius was mildly tight then i have done some manual muscle testing for deep neck flexors deep neck flexors were weak and i have used the cranio cervical flexion test next i have done 
endurance testing of neck flexor muscles and she reported it has poor endurance then i have done a strength assessment of upper quadrant muscles like scapular retractors shoulder rotator cuff muscles these all muscles were tested weak on manual muscle testing then special test examination they revealed intact alar ligament and transverse ligament now i have incorporated manual therapy in assessment basically mulligan manual therapy as patient had headache at the time of consultation and pain was little higher further symptom provocation assessment was not performed rather further in assessment i have performed a symptom elimination approach as suggested by brian mulligan this approach we try to look for reduction of headache after application of sustained pressures on upper cervical spine so generally go go in a systematic order so i tried first headache sustained natural apophyseal glides that snag it's a posterior anterior sustained pressure which is applied at c2 spinous process and we look for its response on headache she told me that her headache is provoked so i have stopped that point so next in assessment i have tried a reverse headache snag when head was translated forward on stabilized c2 vertebra there was no change in headache symptoms again i need to think bit more in the assessment so generally we progress to upper cervical traction but based on pain response and hypermobility at c2 and c3 level minimum soft tissue tightness normal range of upper cervical rotation no effect on previous two techniques of headache snag and reverse headache snag i have tried a third symptom modification test at c3 level and we call this test as a modified headache snag which immediately reduced her headache i think let me explain a bit on this technique to do this technique patient will be in normal seated position on a chair and it is similar to the headache snag as described by mulligan but only difference is that sustained force is applied at c3 level along the treatment of facet joint which is around 45 degrees oblique to the horizontal plane so this is what i have used in my assessment manual therapy then some manual muscle testing then tightness of muscles and some local palpation to me that sounds like a very thorough examination and i think you served your patient well but let's get on to what may be a more important thing and that is what did you do for the treatment with this particular patient yeah so with myself i have asked her first what is your goal of treatment we work together to figure out our, our goal of treatment and we have decided that goal should be that to enable her to work without headache so treatment was targeted towards addressing cervical musculoskeletal dysfunction which we identified on examination so treatment was consisted of manual therapy postural reeducation specific and general exercise as well as patient education patient education was about explaining the potential for cervicogenic headache component in her migraine headache i have also explained importance of aerobic exercise as a prophylaxis 
and as well as achieving sufficient sleep and relaxation there is evidence in the form of systematic review conducted in 2018 by amin and colleagues which suggests that regular exercise may alter migraine triggering threshold next in treatment i have used modified headache snack as a part of manual therapy so modified headache snacks used at c3 level to reduce the intensity of headache and i required to use this modified headache snacks only for first three treatment session as on fourth consultation she presented to me without headache and that was really important for me in maligan treatment we use headache snack based on patient presentation whether they have headache or they don't have headache next i have targeted her weak muscles so deep neck flexor strengthening exercise were performed with the protocol described by jule et al the emphasis was to activate isometrically deep neck flexor muscles controlled and graded cranio cervical flexion was performed and any substitution by sternocleidomastoid while performing upper cervical flexion was completely avoided i have also incorporated endurance training for neck flexor muscles so i advise her to perform controlled sustained head lift movements in supine position while upper cervical spine was maintained in neutral position and she was advised to maintain head lift for as long as she could next i have used some elastic band yellow color to strengthen upper quadrant muscles then next i have used some stretching exercises passive static stretching exercises for right upper trapezius muscle was performed now all these exercises i have advised her to perform even at home and gave us as a home program and along with these exercises i have advised her to perform an exercise what we call as a self modified headache snack at c3 level and i have advised her to perform this as and when required this exercise involves replicating the clinic technique of modified headache snack using a towel towel edge is placed at c3 spinous process and with both hands towel is pulled obliquely forward and upward in a treatment plane and patient has advised to perform a gentle head retraction and she has advised to see the effect of this on headache symptom what i have noticed during her treatment compliance to all this exercise was really good and she could continue her daily routine and headache did not bother her much even she was surprised to see that her headache was responding dramatically well to the physiotherapy she very well understood importance of multimodal approach to manage her headache and she felt more confident and stronger what is important for me that she could manage her headache symptom on her own by using self management strategies and her medication intake was also reduced significantly so to summarize i have used manual therapy exercise therapy patient education and emphasized on a self management for her headache that is a spectacular response and i really appreciate how your thorough subjective examination informed the subsequent thorough objective examination and how you use that to 
develop what was for this patient a targeted and appropriate treatment plan. But the next thing that I want to know is, while all of that to me sounds spectacular, you haven't yet said, how long did you treat the patient for and what were their outcomes after the treatment? I think it's really important to count on our visits when we're treating the patients, especially when patients present to us a chronic problem like headache. I've seen this patient for total six visits over a six-week period time. I've seen this patient for three sessions in first three weeks, so that's on roughly on alternate days. The fourth session was delivered after two weeks and final six session was delivered three months later. So good spread over six months, six, six weeks, sorry. Just going to pause the interview here for a moment and state that Mr. Sapute inadvertently just misspoke. If you check out table one in the publication, which will be linked to in the show notes, you will see very clearly that visits one, two, and three all occurred in the first week. That is on days zero, three, and five of the episode of care. Visit four occurred two weeks after the initial evaluation, so that was day 14. And visits five and six, the last two visits, occurred at one and a half months and three months after the initial evaluation. Then I've measured her outcome measure at baseline at the end of fourth and sixth treatment session as well as after third and sixth month following completion of final treatment session. Outcome measures were headache intensity. I think these are commonly used in our clinical practice. Headache frequency, duration of headache, medication intake, neck pain intensity, pain pressure threshold, endurance of cervical flexors. I have also measured the impact of her headache on her activities of daily life using headache activities of daily living index. It is a self-reported questionnaire that is developed by Vernon and Lawson. It is 45 points questionnaire and 45 points is a maximum score reporting high disability. To summarize the results, at the end of six months, her headache frequency was reduced from 16 to 3 headache days per month. Her headache intensity was also reduced from 72 to 23 millimeter on visual analog scale. What is important is headache related disability and that is improved from 17 points baseline to 5 points after 6 months. What we have actually worked or thought of that she should be unable to work without headache, that goal was fulfilled and at the end of 6 months she could work without her headache troubling her daily activity or daily routine. I think that very nicely highlights how an expert clinician from start to finish can approach a case like this. And while I know that case studies are falling out of favor in the publishing world, I am super stoked that this case study was published because I think it really highlights the type of clinical treatment that we should be aiming for when it comes to helping people with, in particular, headache disorders. And of course, this type of approach can be applied to other body parts as well. But for the sake of today, Let's just say that this was a spectacular approach to headache pain. Is there anything final that you would like to state to the audience so that we can wrap things up? Yes. I think at the end, I would like to tell that 
we physiotherapists when patient present to us of any form of headache we should evaluate neck and we should look for musculoskeletal dysfunction and we should look for the cluster of symptoms and objective examination and if they are present if this musculoskeletal dysfunction is seen then only we can justify our treatment and we should deliver treatment in this position in this scenario only and then we should look how the patient is responding to this maybe in a couple of sessions and if patient is responding favorably then only continue otherwise i think there is no role of manual therapy or bodily physiotherapy for the management those are wise words that we can live by mr sapute it has been a pleasure to have you on the podcast thank you for the professionalism that you brought to this case study and thank you for your spectacular descriptions of what happened in the clinic today during the uh, podcast thank you stephen thank you very much for inviting me on this podcast i really appreciate your efforts for involving me you sir are very welcome and we look forward to hearing from you in the future same here This has been a production of the American Academy of Orthopedic Manual Physical Therapists. You can learn more about the Academy by visiting our website at aaompt.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for our acronym, AAOMPT. The views and opinions expressed on the AOMPT podcast are those of the interviewers and interviewees and do not represent the official position of AOMPT. The information presented should not be used as personal health care or clinical practice advice. If you need to find an expert orthopedic physical therapist near you, then check out the Find a Fellow feature under the Public Resources tab at www.aaompt.org, which you can find in the show notes.